Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Saturday, November 11th, and on today's podcast, we are doing a two-part NFL show. First, I'm going to be breaking down our best bets of the week, and then I'm going to be joined by our regular Saturday guest, Mike Lefemina, to break down the DFS board. Before we get into that stuff, let me remind everyone to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. And to follow me on two places, first on Twitter or X at Fiddles Picks. And to sign up for my free gambling newsletter, the fiddlepicks.substack.com, where you will find tons of best bets and write-ups and lots of high-value gambling content. This is a show that we are doing a little bit later in the week. It's been just kind of a crazy busy week on my end. So we're going to do best bets and DFS in one show. If there's any game that I don't talk about because I'm only going to talk about the three games that I have bets on, simply reach out to me and I'm happy to talk about that with you and break it down and provide the betting splits and all of the handicapping features that goes into creating a best bet. But for me, there was only three lines that really stood out to me. The market is getting sharp now that we reached week 10. We have a lot of like crisp information to work off of, lots of in-season data. We know what injuries are there. We know how teams are reacting to them and playing around them. We know what the philosophies of these coaching staffs are. So these markets are being very well-priced. We know that these trends of unders are not only becoming just early season trends, but full season trends. And it's like, how do you play into these? So for me, there's kind of a lot of confusion in the totals board. So I've stayed completely away. And there's a few spots that I like in terms of spread. So I'm happily going to be talking about those right now. Of course, there is no Advantage podcast where I don't back the New Orleans Saints. And I'm doing it again. I got it at 2.5. It's at minus three right now. I'm totally okay with playing the minus three. They're playing in the road in Minnesota. And we normally talk about the Minnesota being a home dominant crowd. That's two part. One, because they have the dome advantage. Well, the Saints are also playing on the road where they're going into another dome atmosphere. So they're a dome team as well. And Kirk Cousins, even wherever he's been throughout his career, whether it was Washington or Minnesota, much better at home, much worse on the road. So we don't have the Kirk Cousins home angle in this game either. So I don't know how much we could prop up this Minnesota home offense with the amount of injuries. There's still the newness of Josh Dobbs. I know it was an amazing story last week. I'm not buying it. I think the Saints defense is going to be next level to what he's faced. I think they're going to have information to work off of from what he was doing in Arizona. I think Minnesota is going to have to try and trend to do some of that stuff for him. And for that reason, give me the Saints in this game. I got it at the 2.5. Again, I'm still fine playing it at the 3. You could even find that a few places as I look it up right now for you. Uh... There actually are two and a half still on the board. They're a little pricier. Caesars has it at minus 120. Wynn has it at minus 120. Westgate has it at minus 120. Uh, some of the more public books are at three, where it's like not even juice. It's like minus 105 or even even money. I'm okay with any of those. I think this is a clear Saints game. I am not playing the total, but this is an under season. And I will let you know that I know sharp people on the under 41 and a half. It's down to 41 pretty much everywhere. So, you're of course, you're missing that hook. We know 40 and 41 are the two most common totals in NFL games. So, we really value those numbers. So, if you can still grab a 41, 
you could consider it. I am not staying. I am staying away from it, but this would be a game where I would play into it. My biggest bet of the week is on the San Francisco 49ers in the road in Jacksonville. And I bet it for two units. And I'm going to explain why I like this handicap, but I'm also going to give you two reasons why it could work against me. The reason to buy into it is because I think this is a classic buy low 49ers, sell high Jaguars. Jaguars coming off five in a row. 49ers, losers of three in a row. Uh, We know that one of those games was to the Bengals where the 49ers were on a massive rest disadvantage going from a six-day week from the Monday to Sunday turnaround. Bengals had 14 days rest from the bye week. So it was a plus eight days rest advantage and Brock Purdy was going through the concussion protocol. I almost threw that game out. I was so clearly on the Bengals in that game. That was a nice win for us. Uh, I don't use that against the 49ers. I think the 49ers uses his motivation. They're starting to get healthier. Debo should be back. I think, again, Jaguars have gone against the sharp side nearly all five of these weeks. It cannot sustain much longer. We are seeing 63% of the bets 72% of the money on the 49ers minus three. It opened at 2.5. It was absolutely swallowed up by the market. There are still minus threes available pretty much everywhere, but now they are being juiced up. And I'm going to post this podcast as soon as I'm done recording it. But the reason why that it stayed at three and then is now starting to trend up again was because that was an expected weather impacted game. And it looks like it's less so going to be now that we get closer to the game. We're starting to learn more information. So now we're seeing like Circa juice that to minus 125. Uh, Westgate win. Caesars juice the minus three to minus 120. Uh, You know, it's pretty much minus 115 or above everywhere. That hook is worth more than five cents. So go out and get that three before it moves to a three and a half. I think there's a very strong possibility that it moves to a three and a half. Um, and the last one that I'm on is the Seattle Seahawks minus six against the commanders line open 5.5. I grabbed it at six moved to six and a half. There was clearly some buyback in the market, brought it back to five and a half. Cause there was some just hammering of the six and a half books overreacted. More people played the five and a half again. It is now settled on the six. So I'm playing the six. I'm playing it for a unit. I'm not going to gain CLV, but it's a clear home advantage Seahawks. I like this Seahawks team. I think Geno's better than what he's been. And this commander's team is like selling pieces and officially tanking. I know that they pulled off the win against the Patriots. I've been the idiot that's backed the Patriots way too many times this season, but it's clear as day now. They're also tanking. So that was a tank off. Now, this is now where we have the Seahawks playing for the division because 49ers have slipped. So I think both of those teams get it done. I think we revisit that uh, futures market for that division because we have a long Seahawks ticket as a division winner. And I think Seahawks are clearly going to win this week. So I'm going to let that ride and then reflect on the odds next week. Those are my only three bets of the week. Again, Seahawks minus six. Saints minus two and a half. I'm okay with the minus three and 49ers minus three is a two unit play. I played a little bit more than uh, one unit on the minus two and a half on the Saints. So if you would like to do that as well, feel free if you also get the two and a half, 
but I would really like that at minus 110. If you're seeing that at anything more than that, you're losing a little bit of value. And at that point, if I'm okay with the line, just play it at one unit. That would be my advice. Okay. We got that done in about eight minutes. That means I I made this guy who I've been keeping waiting on me only 16 minutes now for my delays today. Let's bring him in right now. Mike Lefevina, how you doing? Back in the building. We called you, or I called you, but I actually re-recorded it because I screwed up earlier in the intro. The DraftKings king with the crown. How you doing today? Uh, We're going to talk through this DFS board and help me and you or someone win a million dollars. Yeah, if if you're firing away in the Millie Maker, we, we can get that done. But um someday, right? Yeah, wait, looking can I forward actually, to wait, wait, can I can I actually pause you right there and ask you about that? Do you play in the Millie Maker? No. Because um, you just think the returns are terrible? They are. So the only two people types of players that I think should be playing in the Millie Maker are people who aren't serious who are just firing away. They wanna they're not serious DFS players. They just want to take a shot and win a million dollars here or there. Or pros who can 150 max entry the in the tournament. Because you have to beat hundreds of thousands of people to win that. And right. it, it's just the payout structure in that tournament sucks. Um, it's just like it's less than 1% for... 10th place so quick you know behind the curtain what what i look for in contests are yeah my literally my next question to you was <laughs> i know you play a lot of head-to-heads as your uh-huh. choice so maybe go into exactly whatever you were going to say what your contest choice <clears throat> and what you look for is but also give us some reason of why you prefer head-to-heads sure so i i split it up 50 50 between head-to-heads and then i do mix it up with tournaments, right? Because you're not going to get rich overnight playing head-to-heads. That's a long grind, like betting, right? You're not you're not trying to hit the 14-game parlay to turn $10 into 10000 You know I'm whatever. the chief of the parlay police department. <laughs> exactly. So I head-to-heads to me just bring a lot of the variance out of things. And over time, building correct builds you see a positive ROI in those types of tournament well, setups because um, you only have to beat one person, right? And especially in the lower limits, most of the time people aren't really building. Now the fields have gotten, like people have gotten sharper as the years have gone on with fantasy sites and just, the game in general free optimizers um, everywhere exactly. sucking out so, the pros edge and people who actually understand this edge because people who don't <laughs> understand this can just go to optimizer and plug in exactly what it says exactly so you have to now that's something like i have to adjust to right i can just plug in what the optimal is and see get a gauge of how people are going to build and see where i can get different against and leverage those spots if when i'm playing tournaments I typically stick to three maxes or single entries and um, look at the prize structures. So I'm looking for 10 to 15% of the total prize pool going to first place because you want to avoid the tournaments where 
30% are going to first place, right? It doesn't yeah. like, because it, it's hard to win a GPP, no matter whether it's 2,000 people in it, 10,000 people in it, it's tough. So you want to be paid off when you do have a good lineup. Um, so if you finish 10th, I, I'm looking for 1% of the prize pool, you know, being, or a 10th of the first prize being for 10th place, things right. like that. Um, yep. Yeah. Do you, do you, so what I, I completely agree. I, I probably go 80% of my bankroll into cash games, 20% into tournaments. I am a slower and steadier wins the race kind of approach at everything that I do in this space, but mm -hmm. I generally attack 50 fifties and yep. single entry 50 fifties. And the way I just do it is instead of playing, if you're playing $100 for the week, right? And you're playing 20 of it in tournaments and then 80% of it in cash games, I'll not going to enter a, a 50, a 20, and a 10. I'm going to enter as many twos and fives as I can. So I'm mm -hmm. just, you know, downgrading and just using the same lineup and the same bankroll across mm -hmm. the thing, but decreasing my variance by being in so many contests that if I am right towing that cash line, then maybe mm -hmm. I cash in half of them. It's less make or break. Did I win the biggest one? But then did I, oh, it's like oh, I only want I cash the two smaller ones, and that just happenstance some of the times, right? Yeah. So to decrease that variance, just minimize. Obviously, the ideal is eighty single entry 50-50s for one dollar in that sense. But like, okay, it's a little nuanced and unrealistic. If you want to go through and bulk entry all that, you can, or you could just do it in five dollar contests through twenty different lobbies, right? Exactly. How do you and feel my that compares oh. to doing head to head? Pretty similar. Yeah, it's it's just a matter of preference, really. Okay. Like um, the I give the slight edge to head to head because I have to be one person instead of you know. Um, but it, it I'm sure the math comes out to the same finishing. But I will say I recommend for if you're doing double ups to try and get as big of fields as you can but stick to single entry don't do like 20 right. maxes or anything yep. like that single entry with big fields it gives you a bigger opportunity you know you can there's more wiggle room to finish in that top 50 percent if it's compared to if it's a a 10 person 50 50 or something like that agreed okay i think that was a well worth the discussion let's take it over to this individual slate whether it be the Millie Maker or some other hmm. well-suited tournament for your liking, uh, I'm just going to pull up a random lobby. It's all the same. It is the classic slate for the Sunday Week 10 NFL. We got 10 games on the card this week. We start mm -hmm. with the high-spend quarterbacks like we always do, Mike. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, the only people over $7,000 that we talk about. None of our usuals are here. No yep. uh, Mahomes, no Allen, no Hertz, probably a few others that we're missing. Uh, where's your mind at for quarterback? This has been one that's been very confusing to me. I know we generally, as of the last few weeks, go a little bit lower in the quarterback. So are you avoiding this high spend quarterback this week? Yeah. Um even for like tournaments, I'm not really interested. Cash games, I'm certainly not. Obviously, Lamar playing against that Cleveland defense is a pretty tough matchup. Uh, and it's just not, you know, even 
I, you know, we've been advocating for Hertz over Lamar the past couple of weeks, and we've seen it that those reasons play out. If they get near the goal line, it's it's not Lamar Jackson, it's Gus Edwards, and they've been throwing the ball a, a remarkably low rate. I fully expected it's one of the biggest things I got wrong going into the season. I thought with Todd Monk and coming in that this was gonna they were gonna be more of a pass heavy team, but it, they just aren't really well suited to do that. So I think it's wise that they're leaning more into the run. Um, it's just, you know, it makes it tough when Lamar is only completing 16 passes a game to, to really get, he really has to get there with the rushing to pay off that price tag. The two quarterbacks that stood out to me were in the middle zone. I think it's absurd that CJ Stroud is above Burrow in that <laughs> yeah, head-to-head exactly. backup. Yeah, Burrow definitely stands out to me, especially with the amount of injuries that this Texans team is dealing with. I don't think that this is a reflection of how the Texans have actually performed against quarterbacks and been like a below average team to go against or like above average defense in that sense, if you know what I'm saying. 22 mm-hmm. most, most fantasy points against, so it's not a plus matchup, but it kind of is a plus matchup for this Bengals team at home. The only concern is the wide receiver health there, so I'd like to get your yeah. thoughts on that. And then Jared Goff, uh, back in SoFi. (laughs) Uh, Lions looking like they're finally getting healthy, too, against this terrible Chargers secondary. Which one are those the two quarterbacks that you're debating between? Do you have a different one that you need to throw in? Yeah, I'm actually debating Burrow and Geno Smith for my cash games. Uh, Geno at 5,800. Look, it. If you look at just the box scores, it hasn't been pretty for Gino. He's only been over DraftKings, 16 DraftKings points once this season, and that was barely 16.4. I think that was back in week two. But if there's ever going to be a matchup at home against this Washington team, I heard your uh, little uh, breakdown of the game of why you're on the Seahawks side, and you know I couldn't agree more about Washington tanking. They got rid of their two best defensive players. Plus, on the other side of the ball, they pass it a ton. We've talked about Sam Howell in the past. Just he's throwing forty to fifty times every single game. Uh, so, and that can lead to a lot of possessions for the Seahawks, especially if we get some three and outs or some quick scores on the Washington side of things. So, Geno at fifty eight for me. I, I lean Burrow at the moment, but. Um, I'm starting to get, I'm a little concerned about chase. Not that he might, even if he does play, uh, I I don't know. I'm just, I have a bad feeling in my stomach about, and then if chase is limited or doesn't play, I mean, what, what are we talking about for his targets here? Uh, Trenton Irwin, Tyler Boyd, dumping it to Joe Mixon out of the backfield. It gets bad quick. So, um, I, I was all about Burrow all week, um, but I'm starting to back off that a little bit and kind of leading more Gino. Yeah, that answers my next question of who do you choose between Gino and Howell? And it kind of answers my further concern of the one reason I've been hesitant to play Gino is the pass attempts, right? 28 yeah. uh, is was 28 I, last game. I think it's four games this season where he hasn't even topped 30 pass attempts. Uh, it's just the volume hasn't been there. But 
But when you're going against Howell, and you pointed this out perfectly, when you're going against the guy who's throwing so much, it by default is going to lead to slower game, uh, more passes, higher potential for a shootout, and higher need for volume. I was going to ask you, who do you choose between those two? But you seem like Geno Smith. Honestly, this is giving me one of the trickiest situations. I would tell everyone listening to this pod, check on the wide receiver injury news on the Bengals tomorrow morning, Sunday morning. I lean Joe Burrow myself as well, but I'm probably not going to put a quarterback in my core four because I know just how hard that is to figure out Mm -hmm. this week. Let's go over to running back. Uh, Quick quick note before we do that. I just saw uh, maybe about an hour ago, Schefter tweeted that the Bengals did call two wide receivers up from their practice squad. Obviously Higgins has already been ruled out and chase is questionable. So them calling two up just adds to my concern about that chase and real quick for tournaments. I think Dak is an interesting play to get off the Tony Pollard chalk. Okay. Interesting. Okay. That will, that'll help us answer where we're headed in a cash game for high spend. Running back, is it a buy low on Pollard? Are you stacking it with someone else? Uh, McCaffrey yeah. in this weather potential yeah. game, I'm probably mm-hmm. going to avoid at such a high price tag, uh, especially with oh, Debo coming back and them getting some of the weapons. Were you say, did you have a joke? I no, I said interesting because I'm well, kind of the other way on that. Oh, really? You're you're just yeah. willing to play into it? it yeah. Does the weather um, boost it for you? It just Mc. It's Christian McCaffrey that that boosts it for me, <laughs> and he's right. And he's scored 17 games in a row. Um, not that you know that's silly to think to just base it off that, but he he has he's the best running back in the league with the best role in the league. Um, I don't. The weather's not enough that it's going to scare me off a particular play. the The Jaguars' defense is a little improved, but with Debo back, you know that. That also doesn't scare me. We've seen Christian McCaffrey go off with Debo in the lineup, with Debo out of the lineup. I think that affects Kittle more than anything. Um, So, and I just, he's, when I look at the top of the board, who I want to spend my money on, he's, he's the easy pick for me across the board, right? You have Chase at 8,600. I already voiced my concerns about him. Eckler uh, at Detroit. Uh, going against Detroit at home, that's it, like it's fine, but you know, I prefer McCaffrey. Keenan Allen is it's fine, but it doesn't really Keenan like excite Keenan me. Allen at that price is gross, yeah, exactly. So, I think McCaffrey is, is a great spot. So the, my, the point I want to make is that running back is not the best this week. It's, it's kind of gross all over. And it, the three point per value plays that stick out are Pollard at 7,300 Mixon at 6,200 and Bijan at 6,000. And those all make me want to puke in my mouth a little bit when I click them. Um, <laughs> it's just, especially Bijan. I can't do it again. I can't. So I think I'm, I think I'm clicking Tony Pollard this week and I'm going to, I'm going to go. Fair. I'm going to give you a nice counter argument to your CMC. Mm-hmm. This will be a fun one for us. We're rarely on opposite sides like this. I think I don't want to play, and I'm just looking at the weather right now. It's a 70 and overcast, and that's why 
all of the minus threes are being juiced and probably going to go soon and the total is going to climb back up. It's going to be not as big as a weather game. So maybe this point doesn't hold as true. Again, check tomorrow to what the weather is. But my thinking is I don't want to pay up for CMC, not for concern of what his role in this offense is as much, but when Jacksonville has the ball, I think they're going to be running so much. I think they're just going to be, this game's just going to fly by. I think that the, the the play count for both of these teams is going to just be lower. And I actually think the sneaky value here is taking ETN at 71 hmm. to get a workload bump instead of paying up for the CMC for potentially getting a down workload. Because I think the Jaguars end up having to run the ball a lot more. And I actually think they're going to be able to get it done against this. Everyone's terrified of the San Francisco D-line right now, especially they added Chase Young. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm okay with it. I think he's going to get a- the ball a lot. He also has been showing to kind of catch the ball a little bit. Six targets last week, five the week prior. Yeah, finally. Uh, he's finally catching up. But, like, his points are just ridiculous. And yep. I think he might get another volume boost this week. I think it's going to be another clear 20-touch week for ETN. So give me ETN and give me Pollard. I'm probably playing two spend-up, like two of those – lower spend up running backs and that's mm-hmm. where i'm going to play it's going to be it's going to look most likely a burrow pollard etn where then i'm just shopping in the middle the middle aisles of the grocery store here i'm not on the refrigerators and the freezer freezers looking for frozen foods at the low end wide receivers while i'm eating my fine meats of my travis kelsey's that's not going to happen for me this week it's going to be uh some some canned beans and some lentil pasta and I'm going to be riding with Tony Pollard and and uh, Travis Etienne. Is there any other like wide receivers that you feel we got to talk about? I definitely can't click, click cannot click Bijan either. Can't do it. Is James Conner too cheap because he's going to apparently step into full workload right away? Maybe. I I just I'm taking a wait and see approach on him and Kyler. Um, like it, he's cheap enough that he's he's viable. No one's gonna play him, so he, he makes for a pretty interesting tournament play. Um, but I'd rather just drop a hundred bucks and go to Rashad White. The efficiency with his running isn't gonna be there, but that's not why you're clicking Rashad White. You're clicking it for the targets that he gets out of the backfield, and we know the best way to attack. This Tennessee defense is through the air. And I think that he could be in line for a good amount of healthy targets. His there's no one threatening him for carries for the for the rushing that he does get. Um, we've seen Keyshawn Vaughn and Sean Tucker run through that, and it's just no one's really sticking. So Rashad White at 5,800 is interesting, especially because I think if Will Levis is a guy, which he hasn't proven to be terrible yet uh we saw the best way to attack this tampa defense last week is through the air uh which could you know like i like a little rashad white deandre hopkins mini stacks and hopkins baby i think i'll be looking yeah. that way too levis yeah. has been so, feeding him yeah i don't even mind going, i made like, the a, dumbass mistake oh. of benching him in fantasy when he had three <laughs> touchdowns benching him in season long uh the other the other sneaky running back that I that I liked was Antonio Gibson. Hmm. 
I just think he's he, the, the the pass catching volume and the chance for that game to be kind of high scoring and and moving quickly and a lot of movement through the air, especially if you're playing Gino in a mm-hmm. tournament. You could go with the reverse Gibson. Hope that yeah. you get like a little shootout and a button and a lot of pace in that game. Uh, at forty six hundred, I just did that. That was that was the the lowest I was going. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go over to wide receiver. Um, Keenan Allen at the top. That is disgusting. We're not going to be doing that. <laughs> Jamar Chase coming in with an injury. Probably not going to be paying up to do that. But if you are playing Burrow in a tournament with Chase potentially injured, you could talk yourself into that low ownership being interesting. Got to mention it. CD Lamb against the Giants. CD Lamb has been good, but I don't, I just, it doesn't excite me enough, to be honest. It doesn't, doesn't tickle me. Uh, Amon Ra is where I start to get interested in some of these receivers. But for me, Mike, I think I like a lot more of the mid-range receivers around that DeAndre Hopkins range. Is there any one of the high-spend wide receivers that really sticks out to you? If I was going to spend up on one, it'd be Sun God. I just thought that the role is unassailable. He's he's a PPR machine, which is very friendly to DraftKings. Obviously, the matchup is great. I don't have any concerns with Goff being on the road this week. Obviously, it's in a dome environment, so that doesn't concern me. It's, uh, I mean, what else is there to say about him? He's there's no competition for targets really, other than Sam Laporta, which is fine, you know. Um, so if I was going to spend up, it'd be Amon Ross and Brown. But like you, um, my roster construction leads me to the mid range in a majority of my lineups this week uh, headlined by take Dell at 5,500 with no Nico Collins this week. That's a great one. I didn't even know Nico was out. Yes. Yeah. And that, that makes the, that makes the Noah Brown interesting at the bottom of the barrel too, but we might as well point that out while we talk about it. I also know that that game is a clear sharp to the over situation. So I think tank Dell becomes, yeah, very, very interesting. Deandre Hopkins, is probably an absolute lock for me. Um, the other one that stood out to me was uh, Amari Cooper because I think this Browns team is going to struggle and be in a passing game script pretty quickly. And yeah. he's too cheap. He's just too cheap. Yeah, the I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> it's is it's in Cleveland, right, or is it in Baltimore? No, it's in Baltimore. But oh, and, and no. he's got he's got the worst home road splits <laughs> in the world in history. Oh, he's like the Jared Goff of uh, of wide receivers. I heard a funny, yeah. I heard a funny uh, podcast talking about how people get backed up and they can't poop sometimes when they're on the road, like when they mm-hmm. travel. It's like a natural occurrence for a lot of people. So de facto, that means that some NFL players must deal with constipation while they travel. So maybe these players who don't perform well on the road have just been unable to poop for the last 48 hours before the game. Makes sense to me. I don't know. (laughs) Someone get Amari Cooper some fiber as we start talking about these tight ends. Uh, Laporta was the one that interested me. If you're going to spend up Taysom Hill, I obviously just love. I I, I don't know if you can really play him in DFS. You might as well just wear a Saints jersey. I love Taysom Hill. <laughs> he's, he's, I'm he's, not paying 5100 for Taysom no, Hill. No, you can't if, pay if you that kind to. of price in DFS, but I love him in season long. Yeah. 
Because um, the, the floor is steady and the touchdown upside's high. So, I mean, even in a tournament, you could convince yourself to do it. If he has two touchdowns, it's instantly worth it. But you kind of need him to have two touchdowns if you're trying to hit big in a tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. Who were the other tight ends that you like? Was it a, a Dalton Schultz play? Is it a Evan Ingram? Is it a Trey McBride? Have I just not even said it? No, you mentioned two of them. I was debating between McBride and Ferguson. Uh, but if I am playing a Cardinal, I'm, I'd am i rather just pay the low price of 52 for Hollywood Brown. I know it hasn't been great this year, but uh, we did see him and Kyler have an awesome connection last year. And I'm kind of banking on that if I'm, if I'm playing a Cardinal this week. So for me, it's Evan Ingram. I don't understand why he's the eighth priced tight end on the board. Like I know Schultz and Ferguson have started to ascend a little bit. I don't understand why Taysom Hill is 600 more dollars than him. Or And I know Kittle's had some recent good games, but I mean, he's had practically double digit points, DraftKings points in all but one game this year. Um, I think that Jacksonville is going to is going to need to eventually start throwing the ball. I know you you expect them to go a little run heavy, but um only if it's like impacted by the weather, right? That would be a sure. game time adjustment tomorrow. But I completely yep. agree. Ingram's a lock for me. Yeah. Um and we just have a season and a half worth of evidence now that Trevor Lawrence likes going to this this dude, right? It doesn't matter that Kelvin Ridley's on the team. He and I I think the best way to attack San Francisco, I may be off on this, but I think the best way to attack is over the middle type stuff. So I have heavy interest in Ingram um and Kirk in tournaments if you want to go that if you want to attack the Jaguars from a passing perspective. I do think that total is gonna to start to tick up, up, up. Mm-hmm. And it just feels it's, like Ingram's efficiency on his targets is very high. Like that's yeah. the type of throws that Lawrence is also good at making. Yeah, We've seen him kind of have hit or miss connect connections with Ridley where he's just off by a step or a foot here, an inch there. He just connects with Ingram. Like last week, all 10 of his targets two weeks before that seven for seven. So like in the last three weeks, they have 22 receptions and 24 targets. It's yeah. like really <laughs> impressive chemistry. I don't think the matchup holds us off. I think the matchup gives us a nice cheaper price tag because other people are scared of it. And he hasn't seen less than seven targets, uh, I think, since week one. So the volume's there. The efficiency's there. If he falls into the end zone, that's great. But we don't even really need to need him to at 4,500. You know, five for 50 is more than enough. Now, the final question to ask. Mm-hmm. Did you I, save enough money no. to pay for the Dallas Cowboys? No. I hate myself for it when they when they put up a 30 ball. But um, look, they're super interesting in tournaments. It's just... I, I can't get over that price tag. I'm, And maybe this is it's a me thing and I need to get over it, but I just, I never pay up for the top price defense. It's just the most variant position. It's the, it's just so random, obviously going against Tommy DeVito in this wretched offensive line 
of the Giants is super, super appealing. And I wouldn't fault anyone for doing it, but uh, I'm spending my money elsewhere and, and, and dropping down. All right, let me let me take a guess because there's three possible defenses that I'll play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cowboys would be a dream come true. Save me some money. Hallelujah. I'll spend 4400 on the defense. It'll be yeah. the most I ever spend on a defense, but this is probably the best defense going against yeah. one of the worst offenses you could ever possibly pair. So yeah. this Cowboys defense against this Tommy DeVito, New York Giants. If if only Saquon was still out, this would just be like it, it would be it would <laughs> be, be ten thousand dollars. So um the other two that I'm considering is then do you just go to the bottom of the barrel, get get yourself some frozen peas with the Arizona Cardinals. If they're gonna be returning so many of their offensive weapons, are they just moving the ball way more on offense, setting their defense up in better position? And this Atlanta team turns the ball over and kind of is a little bit all over the place right now. Might be falling apart. I've been a big Atlanta backer throughout the season. This is one of the first weeks I'm just stepping away from it. I don't love the situation. So I think Cardinals defense is a cheap cheap option. I think that's probably where you're going. And I would imagine it'd be very obvious for you to guess that I'd be looking at the New Orleans Saints as another good defense. Uh, I love the Saints. Uh, I think Minnesota been very turnover prone. That's been their one downside this season. So many fumbles. Uh, Josh Dobbs is a fumbles guy too. Uh, this Saints defense is really fucking good. So I think, mm-hmm. and this is a clear under spot of, of people slamming the under 41 and a half. So put all those factors together. It's still kind of pricey. At three thousand nine hundred, but if you have the money for it, but you don't have the money for Cowboys, I like going Saints. I wouldn't freak out and then force yourself to then go uh, Cardinals and then look elsewhere to spend the money and and figure it out. If you like your guys and you land on having like three four four thousand bucks for your defense, I think the New Orleans Saints provides a really great opportunity this week. Agreed. I also in that range. I really like the Ravens going against Deshaun Watson and co. Watson Uh, sucks. He sucks. It's just, when's the last time we saw him actually have a good game? I think he had one this year, but like consistently be a good NFL quarterback. 2019, like. Yeah, he sucks. (laughs) And the Steelers going, like, speaking of sucks, Jordan Love sucks. I've lost so much money playing Christian Watson this year because he can't throw a deep ball accurately. It's just so tilting every week. So I'm anti-Jordan Love. Christian Watson can run a beautiful deep ball route. His nine route is near near crispy. It's a nine out of ten nine route. He was like three steps ahead of any defender last week and had to come back and it didn't even reach the end zone. Like, it's just, Jordan Love sucks. I'm done with him. Uh, If you were going to start to core for some players, we don't need to lock them in right now, but I I think it's a little bit trickier this week to come up with a four. Uh, Tony Pollard, let's let's try and do it together. Tony Pollard in. Hopkins in. Tank Dell in. I agree on Dell. I don't know if Hopkins is up. It's a lock per se. Uh, Like I'm, I'm okay. If that's the Avenue you want to go, we, we disagree on McCaffrey and Pollard. 
that McCaffrey would be one for me. So let's throw Ingram in there. Yeah, Ingram in. on Pollard? He's not a lock for me. I'm going to try to get to it, but um, I'm just worried about how, like, that might it's it's not so much a fade on Pollard, it's a fade on Mike McCarthy using him properly. He just it's very true runs him up the middle with the tackles. They never ever ever get him out in space through the passing game, which he was electric at last year. They just and the past two weeks coming out of their bye, they have thrown the shit out of the ball. And yeah, it could get away from the Giants real quickly. But um, they may not give Pollard a, a huge workload if a huge lead is built up by the passing game and or the defense scoring a ton of points. You know, there's there's very real possibility we get two pick sixes or something like that. Um, and it just kind of quiets down the Cowboys offense. So I have concerns about Pollard. I'm not saying he's not a good play. Like if you're ever going to buy, this is a buy low spot for sure. Yeah. I was about to say, if it's not this week, Tony, you're dead to me. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Um, like you know, I'm sending Tony Pollard a strongly worded email. (laughs) If he does not come through on this spot, I just think it's a perfect opportunity where you're getting him at 7,300 in a dream Mm -hmm. matchup. Yeah. 17 and a half point favorites. Like he should get 22 touches with simplicity. You would think so. He hasn't had over 20 touches. I would. I fucking would. Damn you, Mike McCarthy, if he doesn't. (laughs) I just, uh, it's so frustrating. It's just. All right. Let's, let's just, let's, let's just do freaking Tank Dell and Evan Ingram only. Yep. A little two man core two this week. We dropped some other dimes. You guys can figure it out. And uh, good luck. Choose your contest wisely. I think we had a great talk with that. Play yourself some 49ers, Seahawks, and Saints. Uh, I actually know Mike is on the 49ers as well. So that makes yes. me feel twice as good at my two-unit bet. Maybe that makes it a four-unit bet. No, it does not. I'm just kidding. Remember to follow Mike on Twitter at MLFM10. I will make sure he is tagged in everything. Make sure you follow along to all the other things that I dropped earlier. I will also tag those in the show description. And then lastly, if you made it this far and you're playing DFS football, come play DFS NBA with Mike and I. I've been running a private DraftKings league every Wednesday. So join the league that's in the show description. And then you can take us on in NBA DFS. It's one, two or five dollars every week. You can reach out to me if you have any preferences or if you have any questions about any other games. Mike, thank you for your time. And as always, everyone else, peace out.